Today's scripture reading is from Luke 24, 1-12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's the first day of the week, early morning, and some women are going to the tomb. He was buried so quickly on Friday that they didn't have time actually to finish all the steps of a, the proper burial process, and an, an honorable burial. That's why they're going. They have ointment, they have spices to anoint his body. They arrive at the tomb and they find things not as expected. What do they find? They find the stone rolled away. That's a surprise. They were actually walking on the way, kind of problem-solving that. What are, what are we going to do when we get there? Oh, it's already rolled away. They find the stone rolled away. They, they find, they, actually, they, they don't find the body. The linen cloths are lying there, the burial cloths for the body, but no body. And they're at a loss. They're, they're totally perplexed. They don't know what happened or what to do. And it's right then, right then, two men appear, messengers from God in dazzling clothes like lightning. And they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. He's risen. Exactly as Jesus said he would. Even in the early days, even in Galilee, long ago, he said it many times. This is a, a quote from Luke chapter 9. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. He said it many times. But every time, no one understood it. No one understood, and they were actually afraid to ask what it meant. Sometimes Jesus would say things that are hard to understand. Sometimes he would speak in figures, and, and, and they, they would just look at their shoes. They didn't know how to respond to that. But now, the women are standing in the empty tomb, and the angels say, 
Remember, remember how he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And, it, and suddenly it clicks. These are the first human beings to realize that Jesus is alive again. I want to dwell on just one word from the angels. Uh, it's in verse 7. It's the word must. And this is such a, a common, um, ordinary English word, it's easy to pass right by it. But if you read any commentary on Luke's gospel, what you'll find is that uh, this is one of Luke's favorite words. It's the, the word the in Greek. Um, it gets translated must or it is necessary, that, da-da-da-da. And the word pops up all over Luke's gospel. Other gospels too, but Luke especially. For example, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom in the towns and villages. And I must go on to Jerusalem. I must gather the lost sheep of Israel. I must fulfill the scriptures. And this as well. I must suffer many things and be rejected. I must die on the cross. He said it many times. Everything that Jesus did, most of all the cross, everything is according to plan and the outworking of a plan set in motion long ago. The 2000s was a a good decade for trilogy movies. Lord of the Rings, Mission Impossible. Do you remember? What else? The Star Wars prequels. Well, it's kind of mixed decade for trilogy movies. But uh, another one, another one of the, the good ones, the Oceans movie trilogy, right? You got three heist movies, Oceans 11, 12, 13. Now here's, the, here's the heist movie, okay? Danny Ocean, played by George Clooney, gets his sight on something that he wants to steal, something big, something that's owned by a big bad guy who owns a casino in Las Vegas. So Danny gathers a team of likable thieves. Um, they're experts in every field. They're, they're, they're con men, they're acrobats, they're demolition experts, they're hackers, they're everyone, right? Gathers them all together, dressed like they're out of GQ magazine. And uh, there's a lot of banter, there's, a lot, there's setbacks, there's relationship drama, uh, but they push through all of that and the big day comes, the day of the heist, the big con. On the big day, things start well. Things are going according to plan. But just when they, they are about to pull it off, just at the they're, they're right in reach, that's when suddenly lights, sirens, a SWAT team comes down from the ceiling. They break in through the window. And their, their, their key man who has the, the bag in his hand with that thing in it, he's arrested. It's all over. And then it gets worse because then a rival thief comes in and then he steals that thing. And it's his. And it's all over. It's a disaster. It's an utter disaster. Except 
what you soon realize is that the disaster was in the plan. They planned it. It turns out that the SWAT team, all the members of that SWAT team that, that broke in and arrested, it turns out that they're, they're Danny Ocean's men. They're the guys. They're wearing, they're wearing costume, very convincing costume. And, 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 and Danny Ocean, he knew the rival thief was going to show up, which is why he swapped it, the prize, earlier in the night. The whole disaster, the whole apparent disaster, he planned it. The whole thing is the perfect con with swagger and style. What we have in front of us this morning is a heist. It's a heist story. There was one day in his ministry in Galilee, Jesus was casting out a demon. He would do that often. And Jesus said to the people standing there these words, kind of cryptic words. Listen. Jesus said, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away the armor and he plunders his house. Now, this is how Jesus sees himself and what he's come to do in the world. There is a strong man in the world, Satan, who holds power over human beings. And his power is guilt. His power is the fear of death. And by this power, he holds people in captivity. But Jesus came into the world as the stronger man, the man stronger than the strong man, to liberate human beings. And so for three years, Jesus is gathering followers. For three years, Jesus is preaching. He's healing demons, excuse me, casting out demons, healing human beings. The light is rising. It's shining in Jesus, brilliant, shining. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a wave of public support, accolades, Hosanna. And days later, he's dead, hanging on a cross, dead. And it's a disaster. Except what you soon realize is that the disaster was in the plan. Verse 7, look at verse 7 with me. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. Jesus did come to overcome the strong man. Yes, he did. Now, you would expect his plan to look like gathering more and more followers and, and, and casting out more and more demons and just growing more and more powerful. It turns out that Jesus' plan all along was to let the darkness swallow him, to let himself be killed, handed over to sinful men and killed. And by his death, in fact, 
Jesus' plan is to destroy Satan's power once for all. On the cross, Jesus destroyed the power of guilt to condemn and destroy human beings because he took the sin of the world upon himself and he dealt with it decisively, your sin and my sin. He nailed it to the cross. So all who trust in Jesus, the debt is paid. It's paid in full. And in the resurrection, Jesus destroyed the power of death. He let himself be killed so that he might destroy death from the inside and and open a doorway for human beings to pass through death into eternal life. For all who trust in Jesus, then, there's no fear of death. It's a door, a door into eternal life. The cross seemed like Satan's victory. By letting himself be killed, Jesus, in fact, bound the strong man and broke his weapons. And from that day to now, Jesus is alive and he is plundering the house of the strong man, leading captives into freedom. This was always the plan that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Jesus rose, the great heist. The greatest heist the world has ever known, not with swagger and style, but with humility and power. This is the plan. It's the great plan. Now, here's the application. There's just one application. Remember it. Remember what Jesus promised he would do. Remember how he did it. Remember that he is alive. Remember. That's the key word. In verse 6, the angels call the women to do this, to remember. Remember how he told you all this would happen. Verse 8, and they remembered. Remember the plan, the great plan, the great story of what God is doing in the world and what God has brought to climax in Jesus Christ, in his death, in his resurrection. Practically speaking, um, some of you here today, you relate to Jesus basically like the women in verse 1. You respect Jesus' teaching. You esteem him. You identify as a follower. But for practical purposes, you don't see him as alive, not living and active, not in your life. Your activities in the, in the Christian life resemble putting spices on Jesus' body in a tomb. It's a duty, but it's a duty that is lacking joy, lacking vitality. You don't expect him, you don't expect him to be alive. 
not where it matters in your life. You have religious duties, so you do that thing, you do those things, you come to church and so on, and you try to carry on with life where you you try to find purpose and meaning, you try to be successful in what you do, you try your best. I have good news for you, good news for everyone. The Lord Jesus does not need your spices because he's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive, and he doesn't need bits of your attention here and there. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need some religious duties from you. He is alive, and he's alive to help you, not the other way around. At a basic level, Jesus will save you from a life story where your worth is tied to your performance, a story, a story of life where, where, where you, the hero, uh, accomplish all your to-do list and you measure up to people's expectations around you. And you have a social media presence with likes and shares and you are well-informed on many topics. And the cosmos depends on you and what you do today. And you can move it forward. You can also mess it up. So don't do that. Don't mess it up. Don't blow it. Jesus is alive, and he is able to save you from that kind of life story, from the, from the pride in your heart of living in that kind of life story, seeing that, seeing yourself in that way, or the despair, as the case may be and more often is, the despair of living in that kind of story when you know in your heart you don't measure up. The way that you receive Jesus' help and Jesus' transformation in your heart where you leave that story behind and you enter into his better story. The way that that happens is not by working very hard. It's not by being well-read. It's not by your effort in any way. It's by grace where you simply remember. You remember it. You remember his plan. That's a story. The plan is the story, the story that God is telling, the great story that goes from creation, fall, redemption in Jesus, the great story that covers the whole arc of creation in history, the great plan that is in shorthand for us. Again, in verse 7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise, and rise, men and women, as the first fruits of the new creation. See, I make all things new, Jesus says in Revelation. And he is able today, he is able to welcome you into a bigger story. It is bigger than your own life, much bigger. 
and it's better because the story moves forward, not because of your strength, your strength, no, it, it moves forward often despite your weakness and your failures and your lack of strength and your failure to understand. That's what you see in the passage. Unlike, unlike the Oceans movies, um, there is nobody on the inside in this plan that we're reading about today. There's nobody, nobody in the passage gets the, the plan. The women go to the tomb, they're totally shocked, um, which we might say is better than the men who were all back hiding in a locked room back in, back in the city. No one gets it. Not on their own. The angels have to explain it to them and re- remind them, remember, this is exactly what he said would happen. Remember. Remember what he told you. Remember. Grace West, remember. And if you're here exploring the Christian faith, remember. Remember Jesus handed over to sinners, crucified for you, raised for you. And this is why we meet every Sunday and midweek in small groups. We don't learn new things each week, do we? Not really. Um, Basically, every Sunday, we just, what do we do? We just remember. Remember what? Remember God loves you. He loves you. And Jesus died for you and rose for you. So your life does not ultimately depend on you getting it right. And you're at your best when when life is not about admiring yourself and your achievements or or despairing in yourself and your lack of achievements. Your your life is you're at your best when you're admiring Jesus and his plan and his power and his majesty. It's better and it's a better story than anything that you could imagine. And when you're at your worst, when like the bottom falls out on life, when you're at your worst and suddenly all of this, all of this sounds like nonsense, sounds like an idle tale. When you're at your worst, then what you find in your church family is that you have brothers and sisters around you and they will remember for you when you are too weak to remember. Grace West, let's be, let's be that kind of church. Jesus does not need our spices. He doesn't need them. That's for a dead body. He's alive, and we need him. We need his power. Jesus is alive. He is risen indeed. Remember it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, for the things that we face in life, for the difficulties that we find ourselves in,
for the real pain. We ask that you will help us this Easter and this Easter Sunday. Help us to see in the resurrection of Jesus a story that is bigger than our single life story. A story that you have invited us into and that we may step aside and let him be the protagonist and the hero and the champion and the king and the victor. May we lay that role down at his feet and receive from him everything and life and hope and freedom. We pray for it, for all this, because we don't have it in ourselves to do this. Uh, What we need most desperately, only you can do for us, Father. And so this is our prayer on Easter Sunday. We thank you for your good word. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for our risen king. Amen.